This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Start that countdown. Five, four, you better strap yourself in. Three, two, buckle up, motherfucker. Five, wait, why don't you go back to five? It's time for the Dan Fogler 4D Experience Podcast. This is very special, and I'm here with uh, Carrie Elways, and I, I don't I don't know if you know how special this is no, come for on, me, Dan. Because here's the thing: there were there were three like movies, I guess movie characters that I saw growing up that I would consistently cycle through playing outside. Oh, right on. Okay, and because I was fair growing up, I had right. li- I had light hair. Cool. Um, the guys in the block, you know, you were you were designated to be certain characters that you looked like. Right, right, right. Uh, so because I had blondish hair, I got to be Luke Skywalker. That's cool. Okay. Uh, because I had blondish hair, I got to be Reese from fucking Terminator. Dig. Okay. And because I I had blonde hair, I got to be the Man in Black. Nah, that's cool. Everybody around my neighborhood. Dude, you, had, you got cast in all the right roles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoever the casting director was. I was, because oh, that's, the, all that's what we want. You know, I, you know listen, I love Amigo Montoya, right, right, you know, right, right. but uh, as well. That's he awesome. was kind of like the Han Solo of it, but, but the man in black fucking spoke to me, man. Really? I just, yeah, there was something just cool about being the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he was superhuman. Right. Okay? Like, yeah. as much as, like, Amigo... Like he had, he had the scars, you know, and he right. had the. Right. It just seemed like the man in black could just bounce back from anything. Anything, right? Yeah. He's got good arms. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's fucking. Quiet. And he will be back. <laughs> yes. So you know what? <laughs> was crazy is that I was okay. So I, I did some a little deep research into the Princess Bride. Okay. Um, because I know that you had a, a recent thing with Kurt Loder at the Kings. Yeah, I just did a couple nights ago. Okay, so that was a bucket list right there. Yeah, to be interviewed by him. The Great guy. Yeah, the voice of the MTV. Unbelievable, right? It's our, we grew up with that guy. Yeah, so lovely guy. So, so tell me, tell me how that went. I mean, oh like my God, it was packed. Have you ever been to the Kings Theater? Yeah, yeah, many times. Beautiful, right? Yeah, 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 I had no idea. Yeah, in Brooklyn, the middle of Brooklyn. Sp- absolutely spectacular. And you and I have seen a lot of theaters in our lifetime. Yeah, that place is bonkers. Yeah, it's a lovely theater and. Uh, it, they restored it. $95 million they threw into that thing. Yeah. And, and it was empty. It was a derelict building, apparently, at one point. Yeah. Roof had caved in, and well, all the sconces and lamps had been stolen. And yeah. They only had a swatch of carpet, and they used that to completely restore the carpet and everything. I mean, it's, I, I was blown Crazy. away. Crazy. Crazy. It looks beautiful now. Beautiful. Yeah. I've seen Jack White there. Oh, wow. Um, That's I, cool. I took my daughter to see Annie there. Nice. Uh, yeah, I've been there a bunch. Okay. Man. I've seen a bunch of concerts. Right, right. It's, it's your local. Yeah. Um, so that's cool that you got to, so they, so I guess it's like the 30th anniversary of Princess Bride. So we're actually just past that. We're 32 years, if oh you can believe. I know it's, I'm aging myself. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm aging myself. Uh, I saw that in the movie theaters. For real? 
Yeah. In 86, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, 87. 87. 87, yeah. So anyway, so that was one of the first movies uh, I recall seeing in a movie theater. Ten years old, probably. Right. And, right. Um, cool. And I remember uh, loving it. And, uh, and so I did a kind of like a deep dive, like researching, because I, I know that you were just doing that at the King's Theater. He, that he probably did. I was like, what's my version of like ah. uh, the actor's theater, the actor studio, you know? So um, I, I understand that sh- like this, they tried to do Prin- Princess Bride many times. Mm-hmm. Like they, like they so w- the book came out, I think, in 73. Yeah. And it was Goldman's favorite piece of work that he, I mean, this is from the guy who gave us you know, Butch Cassidy, All the President's Men, Marathon And you wrote Man. a book. You have a book out of it. I wrote a memoir about the making of it. But he had all this body of work that has literally made him the national treasure that, that, he, that he was. Sadly, he's no longer with us. Right. But Princess Bride was his favorite because it's a book he wrote for his daughters. Yeah. One, he was, tr- he was on a road trip with his kids, his two girls, and he asked them both, what shall I write my next book about? And one of them said princesses, uh-huh. and the other one said brides. No way. And that's it. That's how it began. So it, when he came up with As You Wish, that was his way of telling them both secretly in the book, I love you. Oh, and it's wow. just the most, so it's very personal to him. And he tried so hard to get it made. And he really wanted it to be in a movie. At one point, uh, Francois Truffaut, the fr- famous right. French New Wave director, had it. Uh, John Borman had it <laughs> at one point. I think... Uh, Jimmy Stewart was cast as the grandfather at one point. Uh, d- uh, Norman Jewison had it. Remember Norman Jewison who yeah, did of Jesus Christ Superstar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, who I else? I oh, I and Arnold was going to play Fezzi. Right, Fezzi's. he was going to play Fezzi. Yeah, he, was a, he was a Andre Giant. Anybody want to be there? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I started imagining all of these like people, you know, he's got good arms. Yeah. I wonder who he trains with. You know, like I that. don't work out at all. <laughs> and what that fight would have been like. Right? That would have been like, Right. Crazy. Yeah. It would have been crazy in 87, right? That's Don't even exercise. <laughs> and, then I, and I also heard that. <laughs> exactly. And he's so different than Andre the Giant. Like, Well, as Rob said, there was really only one giant. And it was, it was actually Bill Goldman who suggested him. Because Bill had, mm-hmm. was a crazy, called himself a crazy Andre fanatic. And used to go to Madison Square Garden and watch him You're wrestle. Kidding. So when he came up with the giant, he goes... It's got to be told Rob, he said, it's got to be him. There aren't any others. You know, it's just him. And we had to convince him to do it. He didn't want to do it. Unbelievable. He had to to convince him. Yeah, because he didn't speak English well, and he was afraid people would make fun of his accent. So I understand Rob Reiner, like, uh, recorded all of his lines for him. On a a Walkman. And then said that to him and said, just do it like that. That's it. And so he wandered around the set, Dan, with a little Walkman, and and the headphones looked like peanuts in his ears. And he would would, uh, literally... Rehearse it by copying Rob's intonation and voice and everything, and that. So he learned it phonetically. Incredible, um, unbelievable. And and so I I hear that there's like, I heard there was like a, a story from Robin where he would have like buckets of just like he would just drink like nine bottles of wine. Oh, dude, you, know, you don't even know. Yeah, it was unbelievable to go to just to get tipsy. By the way, he would never let you pay for a meal if you ever reach your pocket. That that hand that was the size of a baseball <laughs> mitt would come down and, s- and hurt. It would hurt. Get the web. The no, beer. for real. He would never let you buy a drink or ever let you buy a meal. Because, by the way, when he ordered a meal, he would order right. one whole left side of the menu, wow. eat that, uh, appetizers, main courses, chicken, fish, the whole lot. Holy shit. Then when he'd, all those plates had been cleared, he'd order the whole right side of the menu. So the rest of the entrees and all the desserts. And then empty that whatever building that had in the way of liquor would just oh be my just God. emptied. Just well, unbelievable. So would he just eat all of craft services on set? Gone. 
but he didn't like English food because back then, don't forget, there weren't celebrity chefs yet in England, and the food was really bad. And he didn't like it, so he had a couple of days huh. off. He took his 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 uh, assistant, who was also his driver, and they drove to France across the. Uh, they took a ferry, and he came back yeah. to the set. Dan, you'll love this. Yeah. With every kind of French cheese you can think of. All the pâtés and hors d'oeuvres you can think of, olives, the lot, wine, tons of wine, which the producers kind of confiscated because they were nervous about the crew of it. You don't, don't want to give British crew wine during lunch. It's not a good idea. Right, then and everything uh, will unravel. And then <laughs> so he came back with it. Oh, totally. And he came, and they, by the way, they loved him before that, the crew. Yes. But when he came back with all this incredible food from France, he became their hero. I mean, they just adored him. The idea that any actor would do that. And he brought them back in crates. He right, had he it all. He needed to well, have he needed to have it anyway. Yeah, himself. exactly. That's crazy, man. Unbelievable. That's, uh, so he he's like a real, like a real, like a, a mensch. Real well, yeah. mensch, like, but but a real giant. Yeah, giant no, appetite. dude, seven foot four, four hundred fifty pounds of just love. I, I I went, I had dinner with him at the Dorchester Hotel, which is like a beautiful sure. old hotel in London. You'd yeah, know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he emptied their wine cellar. Actually, is famous, and he. He pretty much emptied it, cleared it, and he fell asleep on the way to the, the front door and passed out in the lobby and started snoring like you could hear him in, you know, in Des Moines. Wow. And they couldn't move him. They didn't know what to do. They got security, and like 10 people tried to roll him. Nothing. Couldn't. You can't move 450 pounds, even with 10 people. So you know what they did? What? They put a velvet rope around him. <laughs> He's one of the seven wonders of the world, right? <laughs> and he woke up to housekeeping. All these Pakistani housekeepers oh back going, God. oh, my God, what the heck is this? <laughs> and, and he woke up, dusted himself off, according to Billy Crystal, witnessed it, because wow. I, I had to leave. I couldn't, you know. And Billy said he got up, wow. uncreased his jacket, fixed his hair, went outside, and tried to hail a cab. Of course, the cab drivers turned him down. There was no one Oh my God! You know, he finally got them to give him a van, but it was unbelievable. How tall was he? Seven four. Jesus! You had to basically. Goldman described it. He said, "It's like someone trying to describe the Pentagon to you, unless you're standing in front of it. You can't appreciate the size of it." <laughs> they you made a whole. They made a documentary about him. Yeah, right? yeah. Giant, we did. Right? We did it. I was part. They you were part of it. Yeah, HBO. Was okay. Lovely. Very, okay. very moving. But he, you know, you had to have him block the sun or. Or have his hand envelop yours and make your hand feel like a 14-month-old baby uh, <laughs> uh, for you to really appreciate. And he always had this smile. It was very much like you. had always had a, a smile on his face. Crazy. Totally filled with joy. He, you know. Wow. Just and a sweetheart. He died a little. When did he die? Thank God he got to see the movie, but he died shortly after. Oh, yeah. got to see the, uh, got the, to see the, the documentary. No, 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 no. He's the Princess Bride. Oh, he yeah, died yeah. shortly after? No, about a couple of years after, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought he lived longer than no. that. Wow. He knew he was dying, too. Really? Yeah, he told Billy, he goes, he said, big people and small people, we don't, we don't last long. Really? Yeah. Big well, people and small people. Well, because it's his pituitary gland. It's an, uh, he, was a f wow. he, he was genuinely... It's it, a, it was a condition, right? Yeah, and and your your organs can only take that wow. amount of stuff going on at that size. You know right. what I mean? Your heart has to be pumping. How much blood he has to bump <laughs> through that body just to take one step, just, just to digest the meal, yeah. right? Just to think. My God, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. you know? Yeah, yeah. And but he never complained. He was in terrible pain because he told me that 
even though he never admitted that there was anything choreographed in wrestling, but he told me, he goes, listen, right, right. people never held back bashing him, him with a chair or jumping up and down on his neck on the canvas because they thought, oh, well, he's a giant. He can, he can, f- he doesn't he can deal feel with it. it. Right, he can take on 10 guys. But dude, after, you know, 20 years, years of that. that in the ring, it, that punishment, you know, he, his back was in, his back had to deal with the weight of just walking. Okay, Forget so. Forget being smashed about in the so ring. So what was day. that like hanging on his neck like a cape? You know, well, like. So they got a ladder for me and they warned us. They said, look, you know, we, they want, he wanted to get an, uh, an operation before we started. That was the other reason he was nervous about doing the film. And he wanted to get an operation oh, on his back. On he his said, back, right. And the producers talked him out of it. And they said, look, it's too insurance reasons. We don't know how it will turn out and what if it doesn't work and blah, 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 right? Right. Because it's a very active role. And so he went to the doctor and, and t- to talk about painkillers. And the doctor said, I don't know what to give him. I mean, what if I give him too small, it's not going to do anything. If I give him too much, I might knock him out. Right. And he asked Andre, he said, Andre, what do you do for pain? He goes, I drink boss. Called everybody boss, which is hilarious because you had to crane I your neck t- to talk to him. Right. And so I drink, boss. I drink. So they they told the producers, look, you better just let him take his own medication. And he would show up to set with this pitcher, <laughs> a beer pitcher. Unbelievable. And it was filled with everything. It had vodka and gin. I don't recommend this, kids. If you're don't try this at home. <laughs> but it had. He literally had. It was a mixture. He called it the American. Right. And that beer pitcher li- looked like a regular, you know, beer. Because it had American liquor in it. Yeah. Okay. And he said, hey, Gary, you want to try? You want to try? I was like, well, sure, why not? I thought, why not, right? What an idiot I am. I took a sip of it. Dude, I've never tried airplane fuel, but I think <laughs> that was the closest I came to sampling something like rocket fuel. Wow. He was, he was drinking like it was water. He'd get through like eight of those a day. Oh, my God. Vodka, gin, brandy, whiskey, you name it, sherry, everything. Unbelievable. And he was just able to get through his lines? Never missed a line, Holy Dan. Holy fuck, man. Never complained, never, nothing. Wow. Never missed a cue, nothing. Never stumbled, never slurred, nothing. Holy shit. <laughs> and you, I swear to God, if you took two sips of that, you'd be like, you'd be on the fucking on floor. The ground. Wow. On the ground. That's it. Unbelievable, man. Incredible. Okay, so, okay. I guess we'll stick with the Princess Bride here <laughs> because there's so much to fucking talk about. Like, okay. Okay, let's just talk about. The fact that you didn't really, you weren't really a swordsman. No. And that you had to learn this, like one of the greatest sword scenes in in movie history right. with both your hands. Right. Okay, so what, I mean, what was that like? Okay, so that was You were just constantly training. Constantly training. It was very nerve-wracking, to be honest, because as you say in the script, it says this is uh, one of the greatest... You're the greatest swordsman in history. (laughs) No pressure, right? Uh, So we had these wonderful trainers who are sadly no longer with us, and their names were Bob Anderson and Peter Diamond, and they were the guys who designed all the uh, lightsaber sequences for the first three Star Wars films. So, you know, Bob stood in for... um, Darth Vader and Peter stood in for uh, Luke. Stop it! And they were badass. These guys, they were in their sixties, but they could kick your ass. I'm not kidding. Like both left-handed, right-handed, so fast, like super lightning. Like one time, I I like teased Peter, feeling a bit confident. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Come on! And he was and before I finished. Yeah, come on! My sword was on the floor, Holy and he was like, like that. But they said to us at the beginning, they go, "Yeah, look, Robert told us." that he only wants you and Mandy. He doesn't want stunt doubles. He doesn't want us. He doesn't want anyone. Right. He wants you guys to do all the fighting. And right. we told him, to be honest, 
you know, we've been training for years to become proficient at being left-handed. Forget right. In, in the timeline that we've got, I've just got to tell you guys, it's going to be a real challenge. Yeah. And Mandy was like, no, we can do it. It's fine. And, <laughs> and Bob turned to him and go, so how much, you know, fencing training have you had? And Mandy went, no, none, none at all. And Bob goes, that's my point. And then I showed up the next day for rehearsal because we rehearsed about two weeks before we started shooting. Yeah. And there's Mandy, and he's freaking left-handed. Turns out he'd been training with some some champion fencer in Connecticut for or whatever, New Mon Haven for. I mean, so Montoya, right? I mean, so like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <sighs> and he's already like, he's already ready to brawl. Was he left-handed to begin with or right? No, motherfucker, right? And so like, I'm like kicking my ass trying to catch up with this guy. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, right. But it was fun. We I, we we worked hard. So we trained. So Bob tr stood in for me training Mandy, and Peter stood in for Mandy training me. And Bob said, "What we're going to do is we're going to flip. You're going to come and work with me as well after you finish with Peter, and you're going to learn all of Mandy's moves, and he's going to work with Peter and learn Holy all of your moves. So we had double the workload wow. because they didn't want us to hurt each other. And the only way to do that was to actually literally learn it like a dance, where we knew exactly what." each other's moves were going to be. Yeah. Okay. So. We was tired at the end. I we bet. were just burned. By the end of the day. And, then, and then we continued rehearsing during the shoot. You know this, being an actor. They were off camera between takes. And so whenever, forget setups, between takes, if we had a long, if we had at you least had two minutes oh. between takes, if it was a big. All right, let's run the routine. Run the routine. Wow. In makeup and wardrobe. Wow. Which didn't make makeup and wardrobe happy at all. <laughs> um, but right, you know, they were fucking get makeup no, on you while you're insane, moving around. Insane. That's that. Okay, so wow. Okay, so I remember watching this movie and thinking, man, that's. I like. I wish I had what this guy has. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Wow. It's like you. Okay, so. Like, I've never had the ability to just stand there and just say, as you wish. Uh, you, know, like, you know what I mean? And have some woman just be like, yes, as you wish. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've never had that ability. So I was like, man, this guy has, this is the full package. And then, and then, so I was like, fuck, what kind of actor am I going to be? So when I was, a, you know, I was, I was a young actor trying to emulate this movie that I loved. Oh, dude. So there, there I was. It, it turned out pretty good for you, though. Yeah, thank you. Know, know. It turned out pretty good. And then oh, things are going okay. Knock <laughs> on wood. <laughs> uh, yeah, things are going okay, brother. Um, but at the at the beginning, this movie was so was so significant to me because I started out, <laughs> I started out watching Looney Tunes. Sure, me too. My favorite was Daffy. Daffy is one is one of the greats. Okay, so never tell this. To, never tell this to Wallace. Why? Why? And I had Wallace in my movie, Don Peyote. Like, right, I love right. Wallace, Sean. He's great. But, like, I started doing, uh, you know, started doing the impressions of all the characters. Right. I was like, Mel Blanc, oh, my God, he does all these voices. Right. So my favorite was, was Daffy. I love Daffy. No, You're despicable. Uh, Gene, oh, wow, that's good. Okay. Wow. He's cousins. He, he is a, a very close cousin. To Wallace, Sean. Right. <laughs> Okay. Rabbit teeth and duck teeth and fire. Yes. Inconceivable. <laughs> right, right. They're okay, like yeah, in sure. the same world. Right, you're right. All right. God, so, if Mel Blanc was alive today, they could redo that. Yeah. Right? I mean. With Bugs as as, as Wesley and Daffy as, Monto as, 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 as Vincini, right? Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah. 
I guess they could, man. Awesome. I don't know how Wallace would feel about that. Uh, the comparison to Daffy, right? But right. Now, I've probably, felt probably not. Like I was, like I wanted to say <laughs> that to him. I wanted to say that to him. <laughs> he told me, but I couldn't. He goes, Carrie, you have it easy. You know, your three lines mean I love you, right? And he goes, Do you understand that if I, if I, somebody beats me to a cab, or I run to the airplane uh, and I'm late and they close the gate, or if I drop my keys in public, yeah. someone's right there going. Inconceivable, oh. and it's he said you don't understand. It's every day, all day. I bet, I and bet. I get it a bit. I bet you know, but not like him. Yeah, because he's got one line, and then no one can forget that. Of course, not. you know, it's it's it has an exclamation point at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so delicious. But he, you know, can you imagine? He said, and you know what's amazing, Carrie? People think when they say it to me that I'm hearing it's it for the first for time. the first time. Oh God. And, you know, he, he just has to, like, nod patiently and go, thank you. And, like, you know, oh. crazy. But he was my he was my first impression. Like, like, like doing the like I would do the scene. Um, you know, looking over the edge. You go, oh, right, right. Inconceivable. This right. People using. I don't think it means what you think. It means. Right, like right. I, that's I, good. I, wow. That's OK, good. so I, I that's would good. I would just do that. Right. And that was like the beginning of my. Um, learning to do voices, and he, he was like my first human voice sure. that I would do. Um, Never get involved with a Sicilian. Oh my God, okay. that's awesome. Um, I'm imp- I've heard a few of them, but that's for real. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty darn great. That's yeah. because it's very close to Daffy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was training that uh, since I was a toddler. Awesome. That's so, awesome. So watching this, and 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 I would never. You should never do the impression for the person. Yeah, probably never. No, never. No. Um, I learned that the hard way um, with Michael J. Fox. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Wallace, like, I did a he, I put him in my movie Don Peyote. He was in his. Right. He was. I basically created a scene where I'm I'm sitting across from him, very similar to the wow. you know Iocane powder. Sure, sure. So that's the other thing, man. Any time it's it's it's. In, not only is it in the zeitgeist, inconceivable. It's right. in it's in my head. Um, anytime anyone like sniffs anything, is like, what is that? I oh, okay, and I bet my life on it. You know, <laughs> it's just like, you know what I mean. It's just in it's in there. Oh my god, Dan, I had no idea. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious? <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. You really know this film. Yeah. Like, like I, every line. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. And wow. I read the book. Yeah, the book's great. Yeah, that right? was one of the first books I ever it's read. It's a great book great funny book about oh his, him and his agent the goldman's character kind of loosely based on him and hilarious hilarious yeah. i mean and just so full of heart and yeah. and and you know it's one of those things where it's just like the movie and the book are as equally just wonderful yeah and i thought i thought rob did a great job I he mean, did a fantastic you know, job. no one want, no studio wanted to touch him yeah that yeah. so for 10 years right tried to make it i think one studio even folded at one point but in the end they could never raise the money and rob was coming off fresh off of spinal tap which was a massive hit for right. the studio 
So the um, president of the studio at the time invited Rob to his office and sat him down and said, okay, whatever you want to make, pick it. It's yours. You got it. Wow. And Rob went, I want to do The Princess Bride. <laughs> and the guy went, anything but that. Wow. They're, they're going to make a musical out of it. Or yeah, something. they're going to do a musical. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, so, yeah, go ahead. That was the other thing that I was going to say is that there have been so many incarnations. You guys, obviously, you guys won. But on the, the road there, um, talking about Wally, He's he's like he's like the most secure character in the entire thing. He's 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 ahead of everybody at every step of the way. And he was worried about Danny DeVito. I know. Well, he came up because Danny DeVito was supposed well, to be. Well, his agent told him that he was the second choice, which he should never do. Never, so never. Um, so to think, to, so he was convinced he was standing in for Danny. He was going around the set, going, you know, I my ba- I haven't even I haven't even unpacked my bags, and you know, t- <laughs> we're like, what are you talking about? Went up to Rob Ryan. He goes, uh, "Why you cast me in this role? I'm not even a Sicilian. I'm a Jew from New York. What are you?" Right. And Rob went, "Because you're funny. When you yell, your whole face turns red. It's funny." <laughs> and and he to this day, I don't think he realizes just how great he is in that That's role. Because so he's a you know he's a scholar. The guy speaks Greek uh, yeah. and Latin and he's like a philosopher. written a philosopher for yeah. real. So when he says that line, you know, Socrates, morons, Moron. you buy it. Yeah. You know, Aristotle, the whole thing. Yeah. Guy's incredibly smart. So smart. And a lovely, lovely, as you know, a lovely man. But just the actor, just speaking, just speaking in the, the you know, the actor vernacular where he, he was, every single time he had a, a bad take, he was like, God damn it, they're going to get Danny in here. No, for real. <laughs> for real. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Okay. So we could talk about The Princess Bride forever, I think, but um, <laughs> you, you, you've done so much. So, and we'll probably... You know, riff on Princess Bride as we go along, but sure. we've only got much, so much time here. So, do you want to know what your name means? For real? Yeah. You have a crazy name. And if you ever wanted to, like, take your sword training and ever become, like, a fucking Jedi, I have the perfect name for you. What's my name? You, ever know, li- you never looked into it? No. Dude, you have, like, this, like, sick name. What is it? It's, like, medieval. For real? Yeah. So, so Ivan? Yes. You, this is your name. Ivan Simon Carey Elways. That's me. Okay, I didn't know that. I know, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> We're Slav. We're from the former Yugoslavia. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. From the old country, yeah. Um, Ivan means... Okay, so by the way, that my name is uh, Daniel Kevin Fogler. Daniel means God is my judge. <laughs> Kevin <laughs> means handsome. And Fogler means bird catcher. <laughs> so my name is God is my judge, handsome so bird catcher. Perfect for you, man. That Thanks. is totally perfect. God, yeah. So I used to worry about God as my judge. <laughs> Ivan means God is gracious. Right on. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, sure. Simon means listen and best. Wow. Okay. Carrie means dark. Oh, shit. Did you know that? No. That's fucked up. Why is that fucked up? Well, I don't know. I don't want to be dark guy. Really? <laughs> I was hoping, like, I'll take Birdcatcher over that. <laughs> oh, no. What's the one? So, Elwes. What's Elwes? Do you know what Elwes means? Why? Is it not good? No, it's good, man. I mean, it's funky. What is it? Elwes means hell wish. Hell wish? Yeah. For real. Wow. God is gracious. Listen best, dark hell wish. Oh, my God. I belong in a fucking cov- movie of, uh, about black magic. You want me to put a good word in for you with <laughs> Harry Potter people? <laughs> totally. 
right? Yeah. Rowling couldn't have come up with that. Dark Hellwish. Dark Hellwish. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Dark Hellwish. Oh my God. <laughs> this is the Dark Hellwish hour. Whoa. You're you're Doctor Claw, right? Claw. <laughs> Dr. Claw. Get me gadget. <laughs> Get me Hellwish now. <laughs> okay, so you, you have a crazy, uh, very interesting yeah. past. Right. Okay, so you, okay, so you, <laughs> John Elways. Yes. Is, is an Scrooge. ancestor. For, it's, it's Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. It's based on him. Based on him. Yeah, how crazy is that? Really crazy. Crazy. I mean, that's amazing. No, bonkers. He's mentioned in Our Mutual Friend, which was one of the last things that Dickens wrote. And he refers to him. So we know for a fact that that's definitely part of the research. Okay, so he's based on him, yeah. your ancestor. Yeah. You are embedded in entertainment history. Right. Okay. Right. For being a hell-wisher <laughs> and a miser. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you wanted to describe that. Right. I don't know how you feel about that. I just think it's cool. Yeah, no. It's a very cool name. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you want to feel about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But um, he, you were also in Christmas Carol. I was. And, you, and so, so John was an actor. Uh, no, he, no. Was a, he was a member of parliament. He was a, no. a politician. Wasn't there someone that was in an Elways that was in the original Christmas Carol that played five parts? Oh, God, I didn't know. Maybe you know more than, than I do. Possibly. And then you real. were crazy. in the original one, the, ne the, the Jim Carrey one. Jim Carrey one. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. The motion capture. Correct. And you played five parts. I played five parts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you find that really online, that there was an ancestor who played him? I think That's so. That's crazy. I may be wrong. Let me look at Because John Elwes was an MP. I know that. Okay. He was a member of Parliament for Berkshire, and he was a famous miser. I mean, he like, I think he wore the same wig that he bought when he was 19 and never took it off. And I think he took, apparently walked home one night and he saw a, a rotting game hen in the, in the ditch and ate and took it home to eat it. <laughs> he didn't, he refused to buy firewood. So his country estate just went to rot because he wouldn't heat it, heat it. Whoa. Because he, he refused, he only walked around with a candle. That's where Dickens got the whole thing with the wow. candle. And he was shivering every night with a candle. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. Bonkers. Unbelievable. Bonkers. That's incredible, man. I can't believe that that's part of your your history. Yeah, there's some craziness in my family. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's... Okay, so let's let's talk about the early years because yeah. I'm just fascinated with that. You talk about I'm trying to do an actor's studio thing here, which I don't know. But... You actually went to the actor's studio. I went to the actor's studio, and then I, I left there to go to the Lee Strasberg Institute. Okay. Yeah. And you and you study with Pacino's guy. Pacino's guy. It was Pacino who... Charlie really Charlie, Lawton. Charlie Lawton. Do you know who he was? Not I know actor. of him just not because... Not the actor. Of not the actor. Same name. No, the t the uh, his coach. His like, coach. Yeah, yeah. Pacino's coach. Incredible man. guy. Yeah. Changed yeah. my life, Dan. Changed it. Sure. Because I, I met Al in New York. You want to hear the story? Should I, I tell it real quick? Please, Jesus. All right. So I met Al, <coughs> and... I was introduced to him by another actor, and he goes, oh, so you're an actor. I go, yeah. He goes, so what are you doing? And I fumbled a bit, because I was living in New York at the time. Okay, how old were you? Uh, this was after Princess Bride, so oh. I was 22. Holy fuck! Right? How, you, wait, hold on. How old were you in The Princess Bride? 21. You motherfucker. <laughs> are you kidding me? No, crazy. So anyway, so he goes, so what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm going up on auditions and here and there, and he goes, 
You know I didn't know my me? ass from my elbow when I was 21. I, I know. No, I don't think I did at the time either. You but were the man in black no, at 21. That's crazy. Dude, the Dread Pirate Roberts. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> so he goes, he goes. What are you doing? What are you up to? And I said, Well, you know, I'm going on, you know, auditions here and there. And he goes, No, you're not. I go, I'm not. He goes, No, you're drifting. And I thought, Great. Holy fuck. You know, Michael Corleone just called me a drifter. Whoa. You know, and he goes, and he points to my forehead and he taps it in front of all these people. You're he fucking goes, third eye. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, he goes, watch this. I go, my brain? He goes, no. And then he taps my heart. He goes, what's that? I go, it's not my heart, is it? And he goes, no. They're muscles, Carrie. Holy fuck. He goes, you go to the gym? I go, yeah, sometimes. He goes, what happens when you don't go? You atrophy. Same with acting. You got to work these muscles out. You got to go work them out. Holy shit. And to his credit, he was the one who said, you should go to Lee Strasberg, meet my mentor, and changed my life Dan. I went really I was drifting he was right and then I had focus I, 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 I couldn't wait to get up in the morning to go to, to study and I was the last guy to leave the school I mean I just loved it who were you training with whether, with whether, Charlie and he would send us down to Times Square who were the other uh, students in the class oh god <clears throat> um, well Rachel Brosnahan who, who actually came after me she studied at the school a few years later but she's in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Cool. But th there was no one that I remember distinctly. But he would send us down to Times Square to pick characters, which I loved. Yeah. You know? And it changed my way of looking at people because he said, go and find a character, bring him back, and I want to see it. Yeah. And it wouldn't be, he wouldn't, it's not mimicking. It's not that. You really had to go and study this guy and watch what they were doing. And he said, no homeless people, that's too easy. Go and pick someone that's huh. interesting and, and unique and different. And follow them if you can without getting in trouble but just follow them and, and pick up what you can and bring it back I want to see it I mean great great exercise do you still like do that. that when you're like looking for a oh, character I can't help it sometimes huh. you know yeah well yeah I can't help it either you're looking on this you're you know, you know walking on the street or whatever right. you say that's a fucking great character right yeah, yeah. I mean this city the is traits the best. No, yeah. no it's the best there's more more characters on in this city than anywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know so okay so I I it says here that um, you were a <laughs> that you were a production assistant. I don't know how old you were. Uh, I was 15, Holy 16, fuck. 16. Okay, so you're you're a young guy mm -hmm. and you're working with on Superman? Mhm. Mm okay. With Brando. Yeah. Okay, you were assigned to Brando. Yeah. And he's calling you Rocky Marciano or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So the first, I was standing in for an AD. The first AD took me over and, and knocked on his trailer, and, and he goes, uh, "Mr. Brando." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I have the new, f I have the new third AD here, and he goes, "Okay, hold on one second, hold on." <laughs> you heard of shuffling and stuff, and the door opens, and there he is in a robe. Right. And we go in his trailer, and this AD introduced me and says, "Mr. Brando, this is Karen." And he goes, <coughs> he looks at me, and goes, "No, you're not." <laughs> I said, you know, and what am I going to argue with Marlon Brando? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I go, no, I'm not. And he goes, <laughs> no, you're um, you're more of a Rocky. <laughs> and I said, okay, yes, yes, I am. Yes, and he okay. goes, that's your name, Rocky. <laughs> and then he turned, the guy leaves, the AD, and he says, sit down. And he goes, you're not a lie, right, Rocky? I said, yes, sir, I think so. He goes, good, that'll come in handy. <laughs> you're not a lie? Is lie. <laughs> Because he had no incentive to be on time, 
he was being paid a million dollars a day on over every day that they went over. Yes. He got a million dollars. Correct. No matter what. Correct. So that got, that was the worst deal the producers could have made because that gave him zero incentive to be on time for anything. Yeah. And so one day, I'll never forget, he's like, I can't go to work today, Rocky. I haven't even eaten anything. All this crap stuff was crap. What is this? <laughs> Go get me a He went and picked something he knew I couldn't find. He right, goes, right. I, I go, what do you need, Mr. Brandon? What, what would you like? <laughs> I need a lemon meringue pie. <laughs> and I, you know, there's no, back then, that was impossible. Now, maybe, but n- back then, forget it. So I run <laughs> to the commissary, right, <laughs> Dan? Yeah. And uh, the kitchen was closing, and they're all packing up. I'm, I'm panting. I go, guys, guys, I, I need a lemon meringue pie for Marlon Brandon. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Can I curse on this show? Yeah, please. Okay. They go, what are you talking about? I go, well, Mr. Brandon, he's, he needs lemon. And they go, we don't have lemon, right? What, are you crazy? And the one guy opens the fridge and he goes, I have a lemon curd, which I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a liquid lemon. It's very weird looking thing. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And oh, like curdled, like curdled lemon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah, that'll do. Right? And I uh, grab that, oh, they wrap yeah. it up, and I run back to his trailer. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. He goes, what the hell is that? And I go, it's like, I go, it couldn't, they didn't have any meringue, Mr. Brown, they had lemon curd. He goes, uh, lemon curd? I go, no, 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 <laughs> it's a lemon curd. It's a curdled lemon. He goes, I'll tell you what, Rocky, you is. Oh, no. You have it. Oh, God. And that's, it was, that was every day. There was something new, some excuse or something. Amazing. Okay, so, because I, it's notorious that he was at the height of his eccentricity and insanity on mm. that, that, that movie. Yeah. On Superman. Oh, I think the eccentricity has started early, but yes, yeah, it was but definitely at the peaking. height of it. Yeah, he's peaking. So supposedly, there's a, this rumor that he, there was a clause. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could verify this for yeah. me because you were around. That there was a clause in his contract that said that he had to do like some like fifty percent of his scenes with no pants on in an inner tube. Is that true? That I didn't see, okay. but I think I did hear, hear rumor after I left that yeah. he didn't want anyone to shoot him. From the from his his chest down because he was a uh, he was a, I think that was I could be wrong I knew I know he did that on the on the um, oh god that what was that movie he did with Ed Norton and, and De Niro oh yeah, uh, yeah free yeah. money or something well, no not free w- money what was it uh, uh, some kind of high school payday movie, or something, something pay, like yeah. that where he Frank Oz Frank Oz was on that directing and they hated that. each other and he called him Mr. Peggy he said I'll tell you what you think I'm a Muppet right why don't you stick, try and stick your hand up my ass <laughs> and, and that'll probably make you happy. <laughs> And he refused to wear pants on the set because there was no way he knew they couldn't do a wide shot and show he was, I guess, a little bit insecure about his weight. So he (laughs) would show up (laughs) in his underwear. (laughs) How crazy is that? And and he would, I would hear like... he would be in the middle of a scene, and if Frank Oz got anywhere near him, he would just start hitting him with his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Frank would be like, listen, you can't hit me with the shoe. And Brandon would just be like, yes, I can. It's in my contract. <laughs> it's right here. And it said in his contract, I get to hit this thing nope. with my shoe. Yeah, they, he only called him Miss Piggy. Yeah. Can you imagine? How do you argue with that? <laughs> You're like, okay, Mr. Brando. <laughs> Tell Miss Piggy he can sh- shove it right up his ass. Oh, my God. I mean, can you imagine? Crazy. 
totally crazy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being De Niro and, and Norton on the set witnessing yeah. that? You know what I Can mean? Can you imagine being Ed Norton? Just like, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I'm working with Brando and De Niro. <laughs> and he's in his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and supposedly De Niro would... De Niro was exhausted during the shoot, and right. he would fall asleep off camera. For real? Yeah, he'd be like, Ed Norton would be doing his lines to fucking De Niro off camera, and, and he'd be, fall asleep. And then De Niro, in the middle of Norton's lines, would wake up and just be like, well, what happened? Was I asleep? That's was, hilarious. I, was I asleep in there? <laughs> well, apparently he wanted that part. Can you look it up? I, it would be fun to know what that film is. Yes. He wanted to play the character like Truman Capote. <coughs> and he showed up. Right. And he, he got a whole scarf and the hat and the whole thing. And apparently Frank went, nah, that's not going to work. And that's when, that's when they, they apparently it, it all went south. Hey, you guys on the board there, you know what the name of that movie was? We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. They'll find it for me. Um... Yeah, it was like the heist or something. It's like the heist. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, okay, so Brando, fuck man. I know. Crazy, huh? Okay, so you but you were also on uh <laughs> Octopussy. I know. Okay, so that was what was wait, okay. No, no, that was Roger Moore, right? Roger Moore. Okay. And so I was his driver back then. Okay. They let ADs drive. You couldn't do it today because of uh, legal reasons. And you were and, fifteen. And, and also you have to be union. Right. Right? And you have to be teamster to drive. And I was 16, I guess, 17, something like that. Wow. And one day they said, you know, you're going to have to go pick up Mr. Moore from his hotel and bring him to work. I'm like, awesome. You know, I didn't, I didn't even have a car. I, I had a motorbike. And they're like, well, here's the car. You'll take that car. Right. Go get him. Bring him. Was it like a like lovely a Mercedes? Beautiful, car? beautiful. I'm terrified. I'm getting behind the wheel. I'm thinking, these guys have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm driving. Dude, I'm so scared. Because I'm thinking, You're white knuckling well, of course, because I'm thinking, if I get in a car accident, I can see the headline: "Lowly AD kills Bond." You know, that's <laughs> not that's right. Right, right. And and so at one point, while I'm doing, I think five miles an hour on the freeway, Roger Moore lowers his newspaper and he goes, <coughs> "You can speed up if you want to." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And I I wouldn't go over like seven, eight miles. I was terrified. Right. Of course, he was late, and I got shit, and they fired me off that gig. Right. But I wasn't going to speed with fucking James Bond in the car. There was no fucking way. Fuck no. Right? Yeah. You don't want to be the guy who killed no. James Bond. Were you on set at all for the lovely ladies? What do you mean? There were so many lovely ladies on that movie. Maud Adams. I was in love with her. She's beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. Great. Th I mean, there was like a whole, that was like a theme. There were just right. like a, the places. Louis Jordan was in it. It was fun. VJ Armitage. It was a fun set. I didn't get to go on location. I, they, oh, so a uh, quick story. Please. <coughs> So they're replacing Money Penny, the character Money Penny, with a new character called mm. Miss Goodhead. You know, stop it! No, for real. I mean, so <laughs> you couldn't get away with that today. It's so sexist. Anyway, so but they decided to pick a girl who they could literally put her in a skin tight suit. Yes. Right, and they were literally sewing it onto her on the set. And my job was to wow. print call sheets in the production office. Where, so I got like a massive overdose of gamma radiation all day long printing call. Back then, you know, was, right, right. they were typed up. It was, you know. And suddenly, to get out of the production office, as you know, is a thrill. When everyone says, uh, anyone says, hey, go to the set and deliver this, you're like, <laughs> everyone's hand goes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I got that, right? Yeah. And they go, okay, go to, you need to go to the set and deliver this. So I go to the set, and there's this actress being uh, sewn, sewn in in. into her suit, right? 
and I hadn't been on a set that dark before. It was so dark coming from outside, and it was before it was well lit. And back then, they had these huge cables on the ground that if you didn't know where you were looking, it was, right? Yeah. So um, as this girl is being sewn into her suit, her assistant says, hey, can you get me a cup of coffee? And of course, the first lady's like, that's your job to go get the coffee now. So I go make the coffee. I come back, and I trip Dan over one of these massive cables. And it was like a slow motion moment. I watched this styrofoam cup leave my hand. I saw the seamstress with n- pins in her mouth look up. Stop it. And this coffee hits this poor girl oh! and literally, not just the, her suit top, but everything is oh covered. And the first AD points to me. It was like, remember Peter Sellers in the party where he goes, you, I want you <laughs> off my suit. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never work in this town. I mean, they ba- I ne- banished me. I never I never was allowed out of the production oh office again. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That was the universe saying, like, you, you got to get out from behind <laughs> the scenes. <laughs> you need to get in front of the uh, camera, sweetheart. Right? Yeah, dude. That's crazy, man. <laughs> but uh, coffee, did it, did it hurt her? Did it burn her? No, thank God she was cool about it. I mean, I don't know if it hurt her. God, I, I hope not. Poor thing. <laughs> that was her first day. Can you imagine having a lowly AD cover you? And you probably saved her. She's probably uh, like, they fuck, I've been trying to get no, out of this outfit no, for an hour. Well, no, but they had to go back and like get a double and start all over again with her. You know, because they, they didn't have, I don't think they had a double suit. I don't know what they had going. Maybe they did. I hope they did. But well, I, fuck I it. I didn't stick around to find out. <laughs> I've had terrible coffee, <laughs> coffee experiences, dude. We, my God, we. Okay, it's already four. We got about ten more minutes. I have to ask you about a million fucking things. You, your career we can come is back nonstop. And do this, by the way, I, did you having a good time? I'm having the best time. Good man. I. Okay, so you're. We got to talk about um, the fact that you're just consistently working. Stranger Things, the marvelous uh, Mrs. Mail. Maisel, I want to get on that show. I want to get on both oh, of those yeah, shows. You would be great on that. I yeah, fucking, um, so I'm just so excited that you're fucking, you're on my, like, some of my favorite stuff here, man. Thank you. Um, and, okay, so <laughs> let me just go backwards here. I mean, and you've worked with so many Mel Brooks. Cool people. Okay, let's go, let's go to that. Mel Brooks, I hope to work with him before I die. He's sadly very sick. He's very him. sick. Yeah. Um, him and Reiner, man, like, yeah. Well, oh, well, Carl Reiner, like, yeah, Jesus. sure. You, you, you got to be that close to the show of shows, you know, yeah, history, know, man. Right? I mean, that's that's crazy, huge. crazy. That's arguably, arguably, uh, Men in Tights is probably his last good film, man. Yeah, I'm so bl- Listen, like you m- memorizing lines for Prince, I knew still every line from. Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein my favorite, my favorite, Ixnay on the Otten Ray. I mean that show, that movie. Set a give, <laughs> genius, right? Yes, <laughs> it's so good. Um, Abby, Abby, someone. I mean, Marty was genius in that film, yeah. and genius. What hump? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. Never mind. So when I got a call, I got a call at home, and nobody calls me at home. Any, any, no directors ra- very rarely call you directly, right? <clears throat> and I picked up the phone, and I have a lot of friends who are mimics like you. And this voice came on the other end and went. Hi, this is Mel Brooks. <laughs> and I went, yeah, right. Yeah, get out of here. And I hung up on him. <laughs> For real. And he called back, oh, don't hang up, don't hang up, it's really me. And I, c- I couldn't believe it, dude. <laughs> Why would Mel Brooks be calling me at home, right? 
And he goes, I got this part for you. I wrote the screenplay about Robin Hood, and I think you're right for it. I saw Princess Bride. You're perfect, and blah, blah, blah. Come on down. And huh. I said, Mel, you can, wow. I don't even have to read it. I'm coming. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. It. It's done. And he let me be a part of the whole casting process. We discovered Dave Chappelle together. Just Dave Chappelle. Chappelle who's still a dear friend. Lovely man. Hilari hilarious. Oh, Ge my. Genius. 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 Totally and genius. a revolutionary. Duh, changed comedy as we know it. So, I mean, he went from like... You guys discovered him? Discov well, I mean, basically, I think he'd been doing stand-up. Stand up. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's his first you, movie. Oh, my God. And he's brilliant. Brilliant. And, of course, Mel's like, yes, Dave can, Dave can improvise. You, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, man. I mean, do whatever Mel tells you, no, basically. I, I know. We had so much fun on that. You don't even know. Yeah. Dave and I were staying in the same hotel, and we got up. We were in the, the Mondrian on the sunset. And we oh, no good together. It was great fun. Love that guy. Love him like a brother. Lovely man. Okay, so, okay, so, I would love to talk to Dave at some point. Oh, he's you a, should. He's a fucking genius. Genius. Um. All right, so, Mel Brooks. If I was ever to, and you'd be great, actually. If I, if I. I always wanted to do like Young Frankenstein Jr. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like pitch that to him. That's a good, yeah. You know, sure, yeah. Son of the son of the son, yeah. yeah. And, so good. And uh, man, it's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Blabrucha. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? It means glue. Glue, which I didn't know at the time. Yeah, that's why the horses went crazy. To find stuff out later. Yeah. Rocha. That, that, that whole film had longevity to because it actually required you to really study it. Yeah. Oh, Kenneth Mars. How great was he? Oh, God. <laughs> a riot is an ugly thing. Nice. It's about time to hit one. <laughs> what? Footsteps. Footsteps. Brilliant. Nice. Grouping. Grouping. <laughs> We both know it, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. you learn, you learned every line. It was like Monty Python. You learned every line. Yeah, yeah. And that's the genius of Mel. Um, and you got to fucking work with him, man. I mean, that's crazy. Th that's huge. Every day was laughter, dude. <sighs> every day. He d he he came to me one day. He goes, "The archery scene. I know it's the end of the schedule. We're gonna do it today before lunch." <laughs> I go, "But Mel, I haven't had any practice. I have nothing." He goes, "Don't worry, you'll get it. You'll get it." It was always positive about. It. Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything was gonna be fine. Yeah, because right? it's Mel, right? Right. So I had five arrows in my quiver, <laughs> five in my quiver. That was it. And, uh, and there was no, he wasn't like going to reset or anything. That's right. You had five takes. You got five takes, that's it. And everybody's, you know, he's like lunch. It was right before lunch. Right. Everyone's so, hungry. No, for real, he said that. So I'm firing the first arrow and it misses by miles. Second one. It was like Kenneth Mars with the, with the, with the darts. You know, another one hit a cat. Right, right, it was right, crazy. Right. And... Um, <laughs> On the fourth hour, he goes, no pressure, but everybody's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> In front of the whole cast and crew. Motherfucker. Final arrow. I pull it out, and I hit a bullseye. Like, by chance. A bullseye? A bullseye. Holy and shit. And you can see the look of shock on my face. <laughs> it's in the film. And right as I hit it, Mel goes, okay, that's lunch. All right, let's go. Let's go. Holy fuck. <laughs> and you're just all, what the fuck? No, I, I know. It's crazy. Wow, I love that. Yeah. The synchronicity of it all. Yeah. Okay, so I, we could talk about, okay, so this other movie that I watched growing up was Glory. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Me and my buddies, we, we would watch this movie because, um, you know, as a young actor, you're just like, mm -hmm. Fuck, how am I gonna 
I've never been to war. Right. How the fuck am I going to act during a war scene? Yeah, right. And we studied the fuck out of that movie. Yeah. Because you guys were, in my opinion, extremely authentic. Specifically, your face, the end of the movie, everyone's about to fucking right. rush right. the hill. Right. right. And your face. I know. Yeah. It's just fucking encompasses, oh, God, he knows what's up. He's yeah. about to die. Yeah. He's rushing. He's, okay? Beautiful film. Yeah. I'm very proud of that one. You should uh, be, man. Well, it's fucking to, epic. No, I don't forget, I'm working with Morgan Freeman yeah. and Denzel Washington, who were big heroes of mine. So I would go to work. I go to the set on the days that I had off and just watch them. that one tear scene with Dude, Denzel. We knew watching that scene. The fuck? We knew. He spent a whole day in his trailer getting ready to get the 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 the, the, the marks on his back. Oh you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the scars. The, those yeah. scars. <clears throat> and we none of us. He didn't want anyone to see it until we, the day of, uh, during the scene. And when he turns around and that one. By the way, how do you control <laughs> one freaking? When he had that tear going down. <laughs> Everybody started crying, and we all knew oh, that's that's an Oscar. Right? He's got it. He's got it. The guy's. Wow. Un- he was unbelievable. They were both amazing, and they were so sweet to me. They were so friendly. They were like just totally genuine, lovely folks, you know. And yeah. I was a n- relatively relatively new guy, you know. That was after uh, after Prince. I hadn't worked for two years. Yeah, but for me, I was like. Oh, Ferris Bueller, Princess Bride. These guys are in this movie. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's what brought me to this movie. Yeah, but it and, but it hit me in my core how, I mean, this is this is this is real. Yeah, is no, real. we had a, we had a, Kevin Jarre wrote it. Who was a um, he was the stepson of Maurice Shaw, who did the music for Lawrence Arabia and Chicago. So he was a real historian. This kid and we bonded right away. Yeah. Sadly, he passed away. But it was Freddie Fields produced it. Freddie Francis. Um, uh, um, was uh, the DP? I mean, it was unbelievable the cast and crew on this film, was and, it? and the costumes were just off the hook. Jane Alexander was in the cast, and uh, Andre Brower, very young Andre Brower. I know Andre, yeah, Andre yeah, yeah. great guy, yeah. and uh, we had a lot of fun. But it was a big production. I mean, it was a. B- and I'll never forget we were sh- at the very beginning of the film, that whole Gettysburg where you introduce yeah. Denzel's. I mean, uh, Morgan's character. He's the he's the grave digger. Right, right. <coughs> Suddenly, we were shooting that scene. And I wasn't in it, obviously, because I told you I'd show up and just watch these guys. And suddenly, I saw a first AD turn to Ed Zwick during the scene, and Ed goes, okay, cut, everyone cut. <coughs> everyone come over here, crew meeting. Cast and crew, over here. Brings them over and says, everybody sit on the ground. On the gra- We all sat on the grass. He turns, and sitting on a log is Shelby Foote, the great Civil War historian. Holy fuck. And Shelby begins to tell us in detail what Gettysburg was about, what this was f- war was fought over, and we left that set with a whole new mission that that day about the film we were making. I mean, h- how does that ever happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was unbelievable. And we had knowledge that you couldn't find in books that he shared with us. I mean, it was unbelievable. Were you? Was it difficult? Was like th- I would say like. I don't know. Was it, would would that be the most exhausting film you've ever made? Like any war film, I feel like is just fucking it was grueling. I, I think it was more grueling for Ed because we didn't have special effects and we didn't have CGI, so we had all these extras for that final battle. Yeah, when they f- hit Fort Sumter, that was five hundred extras. Jesus I mean, Christ. it was unbelievable. Yeah, Can you imagine organizing all of that, bombs going off and stuff. It's crazy. Stuntmen flying through the air. And so you're twenty five. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. Yeah. Yeah. Savannah, Georgia. We filmed in Savannah and Paris Island. 
Yeah, it was hot. And those, we didn't, by the way, didn't bother with makeup because we were in these wool Civil War uniforms and there was no way in the heat <laughs> that you could keep any makeup on. So we were basically all makeup free in that film. Yeah. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Dan, it's my thrill. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm a big, bigger fan of yours. So um, one day I should interview you about your incredible career, man. Do you have a podcast? I will start one just for that yeah. purpose. <laughs> I love that, man. We should we could talk about just like fucking our adventures in motion capture, right? Um, okay, I think I got to uh, mostly everything, man. You, you, dude, thank you so much no, for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Dan. Oh man, anytime. Dude. Yeah, we'll get you back on. Yeah, done. Happy holidays. Thanks. Yeah, happy holidays to you out happy there listening. Thanksgiving, folks. Yes. This is my gift to you. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you.